Welcome to another week of Come Follow Me, Disciples Journey. I apologize for the lateness of this episode and this week's breakdown. Uh, I was out of town uh, for several days, and travel schedule was not what I was really anticipating, and got back later than I thought, so I didn't have a chance to do this. And um, rather than fall too far behind, I wanted to make sure I got something out for, for you all and shared some of my studies and in hopes that it helps this week still. Um, and so a little bit different than this, uh, a little bit different this week than normal. Uh, I'm just going to do this one episode covering sections 77 through 80. Uh, section 77 is by far the most substantial length and um, doctrinal content, I guess, if you want to look at it that way. Uh, and so I want to start there, section 77. So Joseph and uh, Sidney Reagan are translating the uh, Bible. And so as they're going through the Bible, there are these things um, that make it clear that there's some things missing and they're confused and they don't quite make sense. And section 77 is uh, a response to several questions that Joseph and Sidney had um, about uh, the book of Revelation. And as you read this, you know, there's, it's, it's in this question and answer format. And if you're like me, you read these questions and then the answer and you're like, well, that I'm still confused. I, what? <laughs> um, and not, about, not all of them. There are definitely some that are a little more clear. But I still came away, you know, after the, my first reading of it, a little bit confused, um, reading the book of Revelation. And uh, until I came across this uh, note, it says, Section 77 is not a complete interpretation of the book. It is a key. A key is a very small part of the house. It unlocks the door through which an entrance may be gained. But after the key has been interned, the searcher for treasure must find it for himself. So this made me think of two things that I think are similar. So in, I think, 1799, a stone was found that had uh, three different writings on it. And it turned out that the top two were basically different variations of Egyptian. We'll just say, we'll call it that. That's not correct, but we'll just say that. Um, so to call both Egyptian is a little oversimplified, but we'll call them that. Top two are Egyptian, and then the bottom one was Greek. So you may know this stone. It's called the Rosetta Stone. And it became the key to cracking and understanding hieroglyphics, Egyptian. Um, a man named Jean-Francois Champollion, something like that. Uh, not, don't speak French, so probably butchered it. But he's the one that ended up cracking it. And it served as a key. Now, did the Rosetta Stone, you know, did it make it so that he could just automatically know everything about Egyptian and hieroglyphs? No. He had to use it as a key to decipher and break things down. A similar story happened uh, during World War II. Um, the German uh, military was using uh, an Enigma machine to 
decipher or to uh, encrypt messages. They would type one message in and then it would be encrypted and then the receiver had the key, could decrypt it and um, understand the message. The, trick, the tricky thing about the Enigma machine is how many options for the encryption there were and how frequently they changed this. It was a rotating thing. And uh, a man named Alan Turing, a British man named Alan Turing, with the help of some other researchers and mathematicians and things, um, what they what they decided to do was look for specific phrases. And because the one thing that they knew was that a letter, like say the letter U was never encoded as the letter U. It always, the letter always changed it. Um, and so it, knowing that, they could say, all right, if we can figure out a phrase that we know U is the first letter of uh, decrypted, well, if we see uh, any, any phrase that has the letter U in the first thing, we know that it's not this phrase because it's gonna be encrypted. And so the Germans would often uh, have a message in the in their messages they're sending out a little line that would say something like "message continued from previous page" or something like that. And then it was this long phrase that they could use. They could then go through and they could say, "All right, message continued." So the first letter can't be M. And when we find something that's this many letters long that matches all of these things, we know that this it, this is today's message continued from previous page. And then we can use this as the key to decipher the rest. So, long story, but the point is, did cracking and finding that one thing mean that they knew what the rest of the message said? N- no, but it was the key to understanding that. And so section 77 is similar in that it is a key for us to, uh, to learn about the book of Revelation um, and some of the symbols in it. Understanding those symbols can help us decipher the rest of the message surrounding those symbols. So as far as it goes... Uh, section 77 goes. I only have a few other notes that I want to touch on. Um, verse 2 and 3 talks about these beasts. And the book of Revelation can be pretty confusing when it comes to the beasts because John references multiple kinds of beasts, really. Um, but what's interesting to note is that in the Greek language, which is the most ancient that we have uh, of this record there are two different words used for the beast there's a Greek word zoon which is a living creature and there's one that is called uh, terion which is a wild beast and these are used differently. The in verses two and three of section seventy-seven, the beasts that he's being he's asking and questioning about 
are the Zo'on, and they are living creatures, and they represent real-life creatures, whether they're on our Earth or some other place that God has created. Uh, they represent actual living being creatures. Now, these other beasts that have come up are representations of different things, but that's why it can be confusing. But the good news is this. Um, I found something that Joseph uh, Smith said. I make this broad declaration that whenever God gives a vision of any image or beast or figure of any kind, he always holds himself responsible to give a revelation or interpretation of the meaning thereof. Otherwise, we are not responsible or accountable for our belief in it. Don't be afraid of being damned for not knowing the meaning of a vision or figure if God has not given a revelation or interpretation of the subject. So this is a two-edged sword here. The good news is we don't need to feel like, oh, wow, I don't understand that, so I'm, uh, I'm damned. <laughs> the bad news is he has given an interpretation of some of these things in section 77 and other, th- other uh, scriptures. Um... So, an interpretation of of the book of Revelation, excuse me, in section 77. But still, I think that the point that the Prophet Joseph was trying to make is that we uh, are not going to be held accountable if we don't understand the, the details. And at the end of the day, what is the book of Revelation about? The book of Revelation is the, comes from the Greek word apocalypse, revelation, it means to reveal something. What is being revealed? The, the, the end of days is one of the, the key themes of uh, the book of Revelation, right? But it's about Christ and his second coming. And if you understand that, and if you understand that Christ is real, that he did come, and that he is coming again, that's the foundation to build on and to remember and to rely on when you have questions. Um, Verse eight, he mentions the angels that are sent from God with power to save life and destroy it. These are the angels that are referenced in Matthew chapter 13 and Doctrine and Covenants section 86, which we'll be studying in a couple weeks. Um, But they, they, these are these kind of interesting angels. They plead to come down to earth to destroy the earth. And why would they do that? It's because the earth is so wicked that they are like they can't stand seeing it. And the Lord says, hang on, wait, wait. And Susan Young Gates reported an address by Wil- uh, Wil- Wilford Woodruff that he said, those angels have left their port- the portals of heaven and they stand over this people and this nation now and are hovering over it, over the, uh, over the earth, waiting to pour out the judgments. And from this very day, they shall be poured out. Think back to our study in, in Doctrine and Covenants about the the testimony of lightnings and thunderings and tempests and earthquakes and that these are the voice of the Lord. I think that they're related to these angels, in my opinion. That uh, those signs of the times that we see and this uh, being uh, these judgments being poured out uh, are related to those angels. Final note from section seventy-seven is who are the two witnesses? referred to by John. This is in verses, verse 15. And these are the, the, the two witnesses who will die in Jerusalem, will be dead for three days, and then will raise up again. Bruce R. McConkie said, No doubt they will be members of the Council of the Twelve or the First Presidency. 
And it's also important to note that these two witnesses are raised up to the Jewish nation and are not necessarily from the Jewish nation. So uh, just we don't know who they will be. Elder McConkie doesn't say that they definitely will be. He says no doubt they will be members uh, of the First Presidency or Quorum of the Twelve. And something else that maybe is misconstrued at times is that they will be from the Jewish nation, but it says that they will be uh, raised up to the Jewish nation. So they could be Jewish of Jewish descent, or they may not be. And so we we'll move on. Like I said, this week kind of a little rushed. Um, but section 78, 79, and 80 were all received roughly at the same time. Um, they're continuing their work of translation, and all Joseph said is, in addition to receiving, you know, going through the work of translating the Bible, we I received these revelations. He said, besides the work of translating previous to the 20th of March, I received the four following revelations, and he's this he's referencing section 78. 79, 80, and actually 81 that we'll study next week. Um, section 78, there's a, quite a few administrative things uh, about the uh, law of consecration and the um, administration of it and the storehouse and how things should be uh, handled. Interesting to note, the names originally written in this section were changed, the locations were changed, so that if it fell into the wrong hands, people wouldn't know what the church was doing, what the saints were doing, what the plan was. Uh, it wasn't The names actually weren't changed back to the original names uh, they're referring to, so you know, when it mentions Newell K. Whitney, for, up until 1981, it was a different name here. Uh, in 1981, now there was no reason to hide the, the identity or location of, of, that the, this revelation was pertaining to, the names were switched back. Uh, there's another few sections coming up that we're going to study about that are, are very similar. Uh, and in, in some cases, they didn't know what name was actually supposed to go there. They were able, unable to find the key uh, to revert those back, and so they remained the same. Verses 5 through 7, talking about the uh, united order and equality. Uh, remember back in section 51, we talked about this. The Lord's idea of equality is different than man's. It doesn't mean that everyone receives the same. It means that everyone receives their portion as they need. A family of seven needs different things than a family of three, right? Um, and verse I think probably my favorite verse from section 78 is verse 12 uh, about the buffetings uh, of Satan. And what does that mean? He who breaketh it shall lose his office and standing in the church and shall be delivered over to the buffetings of Satan until the day of redemption. When we make covenants and we accept the obligations that come with them, the Lord gives us increased power. Imagine two bars. You know, Imagine you know, a battery bar. Two battery bars parallel to each other. When we make those covenants and we keep those covenants and we make those obligations, the Lord gives us power. And our, our energy bar on the left goes up. But the Lord gives us and allows us to be tempted to the things that we can withstand, which means that as our power increases, the bar on the right, Satan's influence on us, also can increase. 
Now the bar on the left will always be higher. Our, our power to overcome will always be higher so long as we um, keep our covenants. But when we uh, breaketh then, and he who breaketh it shall lose his office and standing in the church and shall be delivered over to the buffetings of Satan. Now that power drops, but that the power of Satan is up to where the power that we should have is. And so now we can be overtaken and overcome to, and succumb to the buffetings. Verse 17 says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, your little children, you have not as yet understood how great blessings the Father hath in his own hands and prepared for you. You know, how often in our life do we maybe make mistakes and break those covenants because we don't understand what the Lord has in store for us? Because we want to do things our own way, right? Um, and I think about my kids that they want, you know, uh, my little daughter is uh, almost four, and she asked me a couple weeks ago, she said she wanted to take a bath. And I told her, we can take a, you can take a bath after we eat breakfast. And she broke down in tears, bawling. And I said, what's wrong? And she said, I want to take a bath. And I said, okay, we can't have your breakfast. And she said, that's forever. And we don't, we don't understand the Lord's timing. We're like, we're like my daughter, right? We don't understand the Lord's timing. We don't, we're like little children. And if we just, but if we trust him, he will deliver us. And he has greater things in store for us than we can imagine. Section 79 and 80 are combined nine verses. The interesting thing about section 79 and 80 to me is that in one of them, uh, Jared Carter, section 79, is, is called to go to um, on a mission. And he's told to go into eastern countries. He's assigned to a specific area. And he's promised that he will be crown him with sheaves, meaning he's going to get, he's going to reap the harvest. He's going to find people who will accept the gospel and teach them. In section 80, Stephen Burnett and Eden Smith are both called, but it says, Wherefore, go ye and preach my gospel, whether to the north or to the south, to the east or the west, it mattereth not, for ye cannot go amiss. It didn't matter where they went. And what's interesting about this is, it doesn't matter. Where, we're called, where we are assigned to labor. What matters is our call to serve. In section 4 of the Doctrine and Covenants, we learn that if we have a desire to serve God, we are called to the work. And it's having that calling, getting that calling, it's important. Where we're assigned, it doesn't matter. I served my mission for 18 months in the Iowa Des Moines mission. Mission boundaries then changed, and I finished my mission in the Omaha, Nebraska mission. My assignment changed, but my call to the work didn't. So you, in your life, in our my life, you know, we may move wards, or we may not even move, but our ward boundaries might move. Or maybe we move across the country, or down the road, or down in, across town. Our location doesn't matter. What matters is that we are called to the work, and to serve God, and to gather Israel, and build Zion. Final thought of the week. Verse 4 from section 80. Therefore declare the things which ye have heard and verily believe and know to be true. You have to declare the things which ye have heard and that you know to be true. And how do you do that? You do that by hearing them. You do that about by 
you do that by praying about them, by coming to know the truth. You have to stand ready. You stand ready by studying and praying and doing little things every day, every day, every day. Once a year, me and my friends get together and play a baseball game. This is where actually where I was and why I was down in St. George, Utah, um, and why th- this week's episode's a little bit messed up here. Um, but we get together, we play a baseball game and have a fundraiser. And last year, leading up to the game, I took some time with a friend and we played catch a bunch and I threw and practiced a little bit, right? This year, time got away from me, was busy with work and family, never had time. Um, and so I went down there and had fun, still had fun, and uh, but I like to pitch when we go down to these games. And not, not that I throw very hard, but the difference in my fastball from last year to this year was six miles an hour or less. Because I can't just show up having not practiced and being over 30 years old and do what I used to be able to do. You have to try every day, every day, every day. And I apologize for the Slack notification, because, but you know what? That's this week's episode. There's Slack notifications, sections smashed together in one episode. But you know, today, it's this is me trying. This is me doing my every day, every day, every day. You know, I studied, I studied and prepared for the um, podcast. Every day last week, I study every day for uh, for each week, right? Um, and sometimes what that looks like is it looks like well put together type of thing. I don't know, maybe my podcasts are never well put together, but I'd like to think sometimes what that comes out as is a well put together podcast that's well presented and well thought out. And I have these different episodes for you, and, and sometimes it looks like sections seventy seven through eighty slammed together with a few of my thoughts. But my trust and knowledge is that the Lord takes what we do, even that our small little crumbs, and He turns them into feasts for us. He takes our small little offering and consecrates it for our gain. But what we have to do is we have to take that effort every day, every day, every day, so that we can declare the things which we have heard and verily believe and know to be true. We know them to be true because we have taken the time to study them, to ponder them, and to learn them. Thanks for listening. Best of luck in your studies. Uh, I hope you join, I hope you join me next week as we get back to a, a more normal routine in discussing the doctrine.